Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. We're joined today by Dr. Justin Hillhouse, who's going to continue our series, Patterns of a Great Man. We're going to be reading from 1 Peter today as Dr. Hillhouse talks about holiness and why we do it and sometimes we don't. Now, let's hear from Dr. Hillhouse. Guys, if you have your copy of God's Word, open it up, turn it on. We are going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, as you turn there, we are currently in a new series. John Mark kicked us off last week. It's called Patterns of a Great Man. Patterns of a Great Man. And last week, John Mark kicked off by just talking about that great man, Moses. You know, Byron just mentioned Moses a few moments ago. We talked about Moses and we looked in Hebrews chapter 11 there in the, uh, in the chapter of faith. And, and we talked about Moses and how he was faithful to follow God even through to the end. And John Mark went through kind of five statements of faithfulness that we see in Moses and his life. Today we want to open up Scripture and we want to look a little bit just at another pattern um, and another aspect of a great man. And it is a little bit different because today we're going to talk about the word holy or being holy or holy. And for us, that is kind of a different word because it is a word we don't use in our daily lives. When I say the word holy or when I use the word holiness, it seems that we only use that word okay, when we're in church or when we're talking about religion. You don't walk around uh, the office and say, well, today, you know, is a very holy day or whatever. You know, you just don't you don't do that or or that's holy or, or this unless you're saying holy cow or something else. You know what I mean? You're not using the word holy just a whole lot in your regular language. And so when you look in first Peter chapter one, verse 14 through 16, it says this, it says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you uh, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he called you, uh, sorry, I've been up since like one o'clock this morning and I got a ton of coffee in me and my mouth cannot keep up with my eyes. OK, here we go. So but just verse 15, but just as he has called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And if you think God is concerned about holiness and being holy, the word holy, just the word holy alone, is used over 600 times in Scripture. That doesn't include the word holiness, but just the word holy is used 600 times in Scripture. And the Hebrew word for holy, and I think I'm getting this right, is kodesh, okay? And it means apartness, sacredness, or separateness. So the word holy simply means apartness, sacredness, or separateness. And when you think about the term holy, and when you think about the word holiness, apartness, separateness, uh, those are terms as guys, we understand. We understand what it means to be apart. We understand what it means to be separate because those are terms, that is language that we use every single day. Uh, you might say, well, Justin, what do you mean? Well, here's just a, a few examples. Uh, you might be an interviewer or you might be an interviewee. 
And what do you do is when you sit down there in the conference room and you are either interviewing somebody or you are being interviewed, the whole time you're looking at their qualifications and do they match with the job description and this, that, the other. But at the end of the day, you're going to see a bunch of candidates that can all do the same thing. Am I right? Okay. But what, what are you looking for? You're looking for that person that is separate. You're looking for that person that is different. That person that can do everything, but then... There's just that something else that that person has. Uh, we do this when we look at products as guys. We look, we look at products all the time. I mean, let's take, for example, pizza. How many of y'all love pizza? I love pizza, all right? I love pizza. And what do you do when you see the commercials? What does Papa John's say? Better ingredients? Better pizza? Papa John's. What does Domino's say? We don't care about ingredients. We just want to get you the pizza as fast as we can. Pizza Hut doesn't really care. They'll just say, we'll add more cheese to it, right? Because they have the stuffed crust. They got every, everything they got is like with cheese times 10, okay? They don't really uh, care about that. But you look at that and each one, each different piece of good, they are trying to sell you their pizza and they're trying to say, hey, listen, this is what is different about this is what sets us apart this is why we are separate and even better uh, than others the other day I was um, shopping for uh, tires uh, for, for my truck and so I called up my tire guy and I was like hey listen here's exactly what I want I gave him the specifications on everything that I wanted and he said okay give me 30 minutes 30 minutes later he called me back I was expecting an email he called me back and he goes look dude he goes, Justin, there are uh, 12 tires that fall into your parameters. I don't want to send you all 12 tires because it'll make your head blow up. Rather, can you give me some more specifications? And I said, yeah, I'll give you one. I said, make sure the tire has Kevlar in it. Put, make sure Kevlar is in the tread of the tire. Well, about five minutes later, I got an email and that list of 12 got narrowed down to two. There are only two tires that I was looking at now because of that one little word, Kevlar. Put Kevlar in it. You know, for you sales guys out there, you guys, there are many different products and uh, you have a product and there's probably a whole bunch of other people that have the same product. And so when you're out there selling, what do you have to do? You have to show up and you have to say, what's separate? What sets our product apart from everybody else? As a matter of fact, Zorn, you, you sell insurance, don't you? You're an insurance guy, right? Oh, okay. So we have a bunch of insurance agents uh, in, in our church. What, you mind, give us your sales pitch real quick, not to put you on the spot or anything. So basically, you're a magician. Is that it? Okay. You put the personal test. So that means if I call, I'm, I'm talking to you? So I get to hear the sweet, sultry sound of your voice over the phone? Sold. 
boy, you are a great salesman right there. <laughs> there's a pattern. There's a pattern we see of, of, hey, everyone's trying to separate. Everyone's trying to differentiate. Everyone's trying to be separate from the competition. And yet when we read in Scripture here, it says, hey, God says, hey, be holy because I am holy. Be separate because I am separate. And when we look at the word holiness, I mean, we kind of understand it as a, as a concept, but we really only hear, hear it in church. And, and, and it kind of goes into a line of, of all these other lists of things. And it just kind of falls by the wayside. So for just a few moments, let's talk about the pattern of holiness and what that really means and what that really looks like. And the first thing we see in this pattern is we see that we do not need to nurture our own evil. Do not nurture your own evil. In verse 14, it says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. There are those of us that we continually indulge into the cravings of our own sin and of our own evil. Notice, it is not the indulgences of of, of, hey, I, I want to go fishing, or hey, I want to go hunting, or hey, this, that, or that. But rather, it is those indulgences of sin that draw us away from God and that cause us to look like people in the world. God is saying, hey, listen, you need to put that aside. I like what Romans 8, 12 through 13 says. It says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> We have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For it is, uh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the mis- misdeeds of the body, you will live. I love that. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. We have an obligation not to sin, not to indulge, but rather to say, you know what? I'm going to set that kind of living aside. You know, Galatians 5, 19 through 21 just gives us a list of all the things. And it's not an exhaustive list, but you can put a whole lot of things underneath the things that are mentioned. It says the act of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, hey, look, there's a whole lot there. And it says this, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. When you read that list, you might think, hey, listen, I'm not I don't do all that stuff. But then when you really look at it and you begin to look at your life, you might say, you know what? There are some things that I probably struggle with and there are some things that I am dealing with that I continually kind of indulge in. And we need to take those indulgences and we need to begin to set them aside. God is calling us to be temptation-defying men. Temptation-defying men. He's calling us to be sin-crucifying men. He's calling us to be men that are not self-righteous men. He's calling us to be men to live like Jesus and not like those here 
in this world. To be separate from the world. To be holy. I like what Romans 6, uh, 6 says. It says, For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And so for each one of us, I want us each one to kind of think about and look at our lives and say, hey, what are those indulgences that I take? What are those things that I kind of do? It might be in secret. It might be in public. I don't know what it is or where it is. But what are those indulgences that you take that you need to begin to push away from, that you need to walk away from, that you need to begin to do less and less and less so that you might become holy? And this really leads us to our second thought, and that is this, is that holiness is actionable. Holiness is actionable. And I never really thought about it like this, but really, truly, when you think about holiness and being separated, there is an action that we have to take. Because we've already established holy means to separate or to be apart from. In our minds, it is a foreign concept. But as you read Scripture... And as you look at Scripture, you begin to see that God in the Old Testament makes His nation Israel holy. And then God in the New Testament makes us as Christians holy. And so when you look at that, and you look at Scripture, you see in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 7 that the children of Israel are called to be a holy nation. In other words, they're called to action. God is saying, hey, listen, you are separate. You are set apart. Deuteronomy 7, 6. For you are a people holy to God, or holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be His people, His treasured possession. God told the children of Israel, Way long back. Listen, I am choosing you, and therefore you are separate from everyone else. What does God tell us today? He tells us the exact same thing. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. And then what does it say right after that? A holy nation. We are separate. As a Christian, we are separated from the world because we choose to follow and obey Jesus Christ. You see here that not only does God call us to be separate, but God also shows that we are separated. You know, back then, there was this thing called a covenant that God had with Israel. And to show that covenant, every man, every male had to be circumcised. Genesis 17, 10 through, uh, 10 through 14, or actually 10 through 11. Let's just look at that. This is the covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision. And it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. God says, hey, listen, there is a covenant that we're going to have. And here's the action step, okay? There's going to be something that happens. So for every male, to show that there's a for every male, they are going to be circumcised for us today. 
As Christians, what does it say in Romans 2, 28 and 29? A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person who is one inwardly and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Deuteronomy, even in the Old Testament, talks about the circumcision of the heart. It says this in 36, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and your hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all of your heart and with all of your soul and live. And so God tells us that we're separated. God says, hey, listen, there is a covenant. There is something there that even displays to the world that you are different. But then our actions are even different. In the Old Testament, you were able to recognize a Jew real quick by just simply what they ate. God instituted dietary laws. Leviticus chapter 11, and actually all of Leviticus 11, uh, God goes through kind of the dietary laws. But let's just look in verses 1 and 2 and then 46. 4 and 46 it says the Lord said to Moses and Aaron say to the Israelites of all the animals that love live on the land these are the ones you are to eat I am the Lord your God consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy he said hey consecrate yourselves hey be holy just as I am holy separate yourselves and this is how you show you are separate you show that you're separate simply by what you eat jump down to verse 45 and it says this i am the lord who brought you out of egypt to be your god therefore be holy because i am holy and these are the regulations concerning animals birds and every living thing that moves about the water and every creature that moves along the ground god sets out a plan and he says this is how you show these are the action steps to being holy in the Old Testament. What does it look like for us today in the New Testament? Well, let's just keep with food because I love food. But in 1 Corinthians 8, 8 and 9, it says this, but food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. And here's what that's setting out is it doesn't matter what you eat. But rather, it matters what you do and what other people, when they look at you, hey, are you a stumbling block? Are you somebody that brings somebody down? Or rather, are you somebody that brings them up? You said, uh, you say, okay, Justin, I, I kind of get it, but kind of help me out. How is being holy actionable? Because, we, again, we talk about it, and we know it in a concept, but what does that look like living it out? Let me explain it to you like this. How many of y'all love to fish? All right? Like, okay, half of you in here love to fish? Huge, huge guy. I love to fish, okay? I enjoy fishing. Now, if you uh, are, are a fisherman of, of any sort, you'll know that there are different types of worms. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of like to, to use a, a, a Cinco worm. How many of y'all know what that is? That's about kind of what I have here as an example. But uh, if you look at these worms, first of all, this is, this is the Yum brand right here. And I think this is watermelon. Yeah, this is watermelon seed. 
okay? You can pick these up at your local Walmart, okay? And they're an okay, they're, they're an okay bait, all right? And if you look at them, you go, okay, you know, that's this kind of nice, they're green, all right? Fish may like to eat them, we don't know. But uh, it, it, it's a good work. You can pick this up at your local Walmart for a mere $3.52, okay? A package of eight. These things are great. Now, there's also another brand called Powerbait. How many of y'all are familiar with Powerbait? Powerbait is significantly more. As a matter of fact, it's almost twice as much. This pack of eight costs $6.58, okay? Almost double the price, okay? But when you throw these into a, uh, a, a tackle box, and if you take them out of the package, you throw them into the tackle box, you'll throw them in there, and you may be able to tell the difference between them. On the outside, they look extremely similar. As a matter of fact, let me pull one out here. This is the Yum brand, all right? This is the Yum brand, all right? You see it's green. It's got a, it's got a few flakes in there, okay? But that's, that's just, okay, you pull it out. You throw that in the tackle. You look at that, you say that's a green worm. You pull out Power Bay here. Ah! You look at that. It's a little bit, it, it's like, I mean, just there's a different green on there, but it's pretty much the same, fairly close. And so you throw that in the tackle box, that looks the same. The, and so if you mixed them up and you looked at them in the tackle box, you really couldn't tell the difference. And to be honest, just by the color, you really wouldn't know. And you really wouldn't care. But there's a significant difference between the yum bait and the power bait. And that difference is this, is when you put it on a hook, they kind of look the same. When you cast it out, it kind of looked the same. But the moment it hits the water, they might look similar, but they both begin to act differently. Because you see, the reason why the power bait is more then the yum bait is simply this. The yum bait, okay, is just a piece of plastic with some coloring into it, with some coloring and dye in it, and a few flakes. But you see, the power bait is infused with garlic, and it is activated when it hits water. And so, what happens is you toss that, that power bait out there, it might look like the yum, yum bait, but once it hits the water and it is put into action, that power bait begins to just ooze garlic in the water. And it just attracts those fishies. Y'all know what I'm saying? That's what holiness is. That's what being holy is. When people look at us, we might look the same, we might sound the same, but then when it comes to action, gentlemen, when it comes to what we say, when it comes to what we do, God has called us to be separate and to be different, to be set apart. And so if you're ever wondering, what does it mean to be holy? Man, be power bait. Be garlicky. That's what it's about. That's what it means to be holy. To be 
separate, to be apart. I like what John Wesley said. He said this, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians in England. You know what he's saying right there? He's saying that he was able to look at his mom and see how she acted, see what she did, and then say, you know what? I need to model my life after that. You know what? You know what he's saying? He was saying his mom is holy. She is different. She is set apart from everyone else. Gentlemen, our faith is actionable. Gentlemen, holiness and what God is calling us to, to be holy men, that is actionable. It's just not some foreign concept. Yes, God has called me to be holy. No, He's called you to be holy, meaning you need to start acting as God wants you to act. I need to start acting the way God wants me to act. And this leads us to our third and final point, and that's this, is that holiness is a command. Therefore, follow it. Holiness is a command. Therefore, follow it. If you look there in verse 16, what does it say? For it is written, be holy because I am holy. What a simple command. It's only two words. Be holy. Be separate. Be apart from this world. Differentiate yourself from everyone else. Because you choose to follow Jesus Christ. 1 John 2, 15-17 Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Men, be holy. Do as God has called each one of us to do. Colossians 1, or 3, 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Look at this. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Then what does it say in verse 2? Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. If you look there in Colossians 3, what does it say? It says, set your heart, or set your heart on things above. So start here. Then it says, set your mind on things above. If I set my heart on things above, and then I set my mind on things above, then what's going to naturally happen? My actions are going to start looking like the actions Jesus wants us to have. My actions begin to reflect who Jesus is. My speech begins to reflect what Jesus wants me to say, not what I want to say. God says, be holy because I am holy. What makes God Holy. What makes God separate from everything else in this world? There are two things, but I just want to focus on one. And that one thing is this, is Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates His own love, love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ 
died for us. There are a lot of religions and there are a lot of lowercase g gods out there. Our God is the only God that came to us. You got me? Our God is the only God that came, sent His Son to rescue and to save us. What sets part of God from every, every other God in this world? God not only tells us that He loves us, but He shows us that He loves us. And He shows us through the person of Jesus Christ who came 2,000 years ago, born of a virgin, died living a perfect life, was buried in a tomb, and then rose three days later. Jesus Christ did all that. God sent His Son, did all of that just so that we could be holy. Gentlemen, we have an obligation to God. Y'all with me? We have an obligation to God. Not to live as this world, but rather to live as He has called us to do. And so my prayer for you is today, is that you would go out and that you would live just for today a holy life. That what you say, what you do will reflect the things that God wants you to do. That will reflect the things God wants you to say. Challenge. Live a holy life today. And then when you get done today, tomorrow morning wake up and go, I'm going to live a holy life tomorrow. And then the next day. And gentlemen, if you fail, here's the good news. God will forgive you. You pick up and you just move on. And you just start over again and you try again. Isn't it good? It's good. Let's pray. God, we love You and we thank You for this day. And God, as we go our separate ways today, Father, I pray that we would be holy men, a holy nation, God, that, um, that passionately seeks You, that passionately chases You, but God, that obeys You. Father, You have told us very directly, be holy. So Father, may we live lives that people look at and go, you know what, you're different from everyone else here in the office. Father, may we live lives where people look at us and say, you know what, that man is different on the ball field. That man is different in the grocery store. That man is different in his home with his wife and his kids. Father, may we here in this room desire to be holy, to be separate. And may we take action in that. Jesus, thank you for coming 2,000 years ago. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead so that we could have a relationship with you. And Father, may we take that, the gospel, into our workplace, into our homes, on the ball field, in the store, wherever it is. May we take your message to a lost and dying world. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you. We ask all these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Y'all have a great day, new people. Thanks for welcome. tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.